For health's sake, a simple chat for better health. I'm your host, Donna Karras. These podcasts are a publication of Amory Hospital and Clinic, Hudson Hospital and Clinic, Health Partners Clinic, Stillwater, Lakeview Hospital, and Westfields Hospital and Clinic. All are part of a nonprofit healthcare organization committed to enhancing community health. I'm talking about anxiety in teens with Heather Erickson. She's a clinical therapist and the program director of the Behavior Health Center at Amory Hospital and Clinic. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. What are teens anxious about? Well, teenagers are our beloved humans whose lives are defined by transition. If you think about it, they're transitioning from elementary school to middle school. And at times, these school transitions might mean leaving familiar buildings, teachers and friends for completely new spaces and people, transitioning from all things child and playing with toys to trying to figure out how to navigate body and hormone and emotional changes. And now, to add to all of that, the component of technology and social media. In my mind, the question really is, what are they not anxious about? So anxiety is a really normal part of navigating any change for us as human beings. And for teens especially, whose brains and bodies are still developing, all of these things might feel extra scary or overwhelming because they don't yet have the life experience or perspective that we as adults who face changes have. Not only are they faced with a bunch of changes, as I mentioned, physically, emotionally, perhaps in their friendships and relationships and in school, but with the prevalence now of media and cell phones in our lives, many of these changes are now documented and shared. So not only is the worry about how do I do this, but it's also about how do I look doing this. What are some signs a teen is anxious? So the thing about anxiety is that it can show up in so many different ways, both physically and behaviorally or emotionally. Some physical symptoms can include sensations of racing or pounding heartbeats, drumming their feet, hands or fingers, or sometimes even physical shaking, general restlessness, like inability to sit for periods of time, headaches, trouble sleeping, changes in appetite, either decrease or increase or gastrointestinal concerns, nausea, at times vomiting, things like that. Common emotional or behavioral signs that you might notice could include withdrawing from activities or relationships or conversations, having trouble focusing, maybe on schoolwork or chores, or on the flip side of that, hyper-focusing on certain things that they're feeling extra worried about, sort of not being able to be redirected away from that. There could be tearfulness. There could be avoidance of new or specific situations. Could also see increased irritability or other significant mood changes. What's a good way for a parent to ask their teen about feeling anxious? Such a good question, because as we know, those of us who have beloved teenagers in our lives, talking to teens is an art, not a science. What I would say and what I practice both clinically and with my own kiddo is to really just normalize all of this. Normalize, normalize, normalize. Teens are worried enough about being seen as different from the crowd or the norm as they're trying to figure out how to fit into their new life of transition. So if you start a conversation in a way that signifies to them that something is wrong with them, like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm concerned about you, you seem really anxious, 
that could make them feel like, oh, mom's pointing out that I'm bad or different, and they are more likely to shut down. So as I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, teenagers absolutely should feel anxious to a degree at this time in their lives, given all that they're faced with navigating. Our stress response, our fight or flight, which is responsible ultimately for symptoms of anxiety, is actually a helpful thing for us as human beings in that it signals us to be aware that we're in new territory or we're encountering something that's not familiar to us. And that's what helps keep us safe. So it's both normal and expected that this is more activated during teenage years when all of the things are changing. So I would say really just make it a part of your daily conversation to simply check in, keep the conversation open, offer support, and maybe even give examples of things that you remember about being a teenager and worrying about certain things during that time of your life that can help at times to normalize this. I think the most important thing is to talk to our teenagers every day even if they don't seem like they want to talk to us, which can be common. It reminds them that we're here, we care about them, and that reminder is just so important so that they continue to feel safe enough to come to us when they need to. Do healthy habits like sleep and nutrition make a difference? Absolutely. Caffeine is the number one culprit for increasing symptoms of anxiety, including physical symptoms like racing heartbeat, also racing thoughts, general nervousness or restlessness. And so those energy drinks, for some reason, is the thing that at least I've noticed some of our teens are drawn to. And with my own kiddo, I set some really hard limits around those because I know there's enough worry in his world as it is. And I know that drinking that energy drink with all the sugar and caffeine is only going to increase some of those symptoms that accompany those new situations and worries. Similarly, meals and snacks that have really high sugar content or high complex carbs can have similar effects. So balanced diets, including adequate water intake, protein, fruits and veggies, and whole grains are really our best recipes for both brain and emotional health because these provide more even levels of energy and important vitamins and nutrients that impact energy and mood. Similarly, sleep hygiene, which is the phrase that's, that I use anyway to describe going to sleep and waking up at generally the same time each day, is really a key player in regulating mood and emotion in addition to our energy levels. Are there calming techniques we can teach our teens that reduce anxiety? Yes. So the good news is there are actually several free apps available that offer a wide range of techniques and tools for calming. And these, in a lot of instances, can be more palatable for teenagers because they involve their beloved phones, right? Talking or practicing things face-to-face with someone can feel a little intimidating initially, especially for teenagers. And the phone and the apps offer a little more privacy and freedom for teenagers to use and practice these techniques sort of as they choose to or in the moments that they need them. So I'm going to list just a few of the apps that we recommend to our patients in our outpatient therapy practice here at Amory that are available both on iPhones as well as Androids. So there's one that's called Acupressure, Heal Yourself. Anti-Stress Quotes is another good one. Breathe to Relax. This one is spelled B-R-E-A-T-H, the number two, and then a capital R. E-L-A-X. Calm, that is one of my favorite apps. There's one that's called Calm Down Now. That one has those three words each have a capital letter. There's no spaces for that app. There's one that's called Color Mandala. 
Sometimes coloring can be a really nice distraction for our brains, and this is an app that allows you to do that on your phone. Fear Shrinker with a capital F and capital S. This one is especially good for younger teens who are experiencing some fears. There's one called Panic Relief, capital P, capital R, and then one called Mind Shift, all one word. So again, that's just a small list of a few apps that we use in our clinic and offer to our teenage patients that offer a variety of tools to folks to deal with anxiety and panic. In addition to these, there is a really simple technique that we as parents or caregivers of teenagers can both model and teach our kiddos and teens that naturally decreases cortisol, which is our stress hormone, and begins to help regulate our bodies and our brains. So you might have heard of this technique. It's often referred to as belly breathing or square breathing. And I have found both with my own kids as well as in my work as a therapist that sometimes if I notice that the person I'm talking to is exhibiting some increased worry, maybe they're having some rapid speech or they're acknowledging that they're struggling with some worries. If I myself start engaging in square breathing, oftentimes they will eventually mirror my breaths without me even needing to ask them to practice it with me. So square breathing is a simple practice of slow intentional breaths. And by doing this, we are able to engage our prefrontal cortex, so that's the front thinking, problem-solving part of our brains, and we are able to disengage our limbic system, which is our cortisol hormone, our fight or flight, that emotional part of our brains, and that naturally starts to decrease our anxiety. So the way you do square breathing is you simply breathe in for a count of four, one 1,000, two 1,000, three 1,000, four 1,000, through your nose, focusing on filling your belly with air, you hold for a count of four at the top of that breath, and then you exhale through your mouth for a count of four. So really simple, something any of us can do. Other effective coping techniques that we can teach and practice with our kids and teens that are experiencing worry, and especially if they're really struggling with feeling stuck in a cycle of worried thoughts and having a hard time focusing on anything else, include providing distraction in order to interrupt those worried thoughts and help them to refocus on the present moment. And that can be as simple as, hey, do you want to come have a snack with me? Let's try washing our hands in some cold water and see if we can't sort of restart and think this through a little bit. Tell me what's something that you can see or smell right now. Doing those things really help to ground us back in the present moment, again, disengaging that fight or flight part of our brains and help us to refocus on the here and now, which can help to naturally decrease that anxiety. Are there any other things we can do at home that will help? Absolutely, simple stuff. We know, and there's a lot of research behind physical activity helping with both anxiety and depression. What engaging in physical activity does, whether it's walking, biking, playing a game, you know, practicing a sport, going for a jog, you name it, it decreases our cortisol, that stress hormone, and it increases dopamine, which is our positive hormone that helps to combat negative thoughts, anxiety, and depression. Decreasing screen time. I know this is all over the place. There's lots of messaging about ways that too much screen time can be unhelpful to our kids. Whatever we can do to engage with our kids away from screens, to help them disengage from social media a little bit, disengage from worrying about and looking at other people's lives all the time and comparing and contrasting their own is going to be helpful and positive. 
talk to our teens daily, give words of encouragement, create those positive distractions, make, you know, spontaneous plans. Hey, do you want to make your favorite cookies? Cook a favorite meal together, go to a favorite event or activity. The most important thing I think is to create an environment where your teen feels it's safe to talk about hard things. Should parents talk to their teen's school and teachers? You know, I'm going to leave this one up to the parents. Really, I think it depends on the situation and what's happening with the child. It can be a helpful thing if if the teen is needing some added support and direction. I would encourage parents to really try to partner with their child as much as possible around talking to the school and the teachers. It helps if there's sort of a unified approach or front. Sometimes that's not always possible. But what I would say in general is work with your kiddo to develop a plan and approach the school and teachers if you need to. If your kiddo is seeing a therapist or has other support providers, I would also work with those folks to get their recommendations. When should a parent seek out help? What I always tell people is if you notice symptoms, physical, emotional, behavioral, that are impacting your child or your loved one's ability to, I call it their ability to live, laugh, and love, which really means their ability to carry out daily tasks, responsibilities, whether it's school, chores at home, work, both, all the things, their ability to engage in relationships, and their ability to enjoy things. If their symptoms are impairing their ability to do those things, it's time to get some help. And when we say get some help, what does that mean? It can mean many different things. That's the good news. And it all depends. It depends on your situation, what you're comfortable with, what you can get your teen to be comfortable with. You can always start by engaging with a primary care provider. Start with a doctor. Um, Going to the doctor is a really normal thing. Most of us do it for checkups. And so you can simply say, hey, I've noticed these things. I'd really love to talk with you and your doctor about X, Y, and Z and see what they might recommend. If you have connections with therapists or do some research on therapists in your area, the great thing about therapy, as most of us know, is that these days it's also available virtually. So if you have a teen who's not comfortable with going into an office and talking in person with someone, those virtual options can be really, really great and help teens feel a little more comfortable with talking to a stranger about things they're worried about. Also school, use the school counselor, the school social worker, because those are people that are sort of boots on the ground in a daily environment with those teenagers that can also help with connecting to outside resources as necessary. The other thing I will say about therapy is that many outpatient therapy agencies in the community offer groups specifically for teens these days because we all recognize all of these unique struggles that teenagers face. And that can be a really helpful experience. It it helps to further normalize and help the teenagers know that really they're not alone. If we've discovered or suspect that our teen is being bullied, what steps should we take? Well, again, I I feel like this depends on the situation and the kiddo and what's happening. But in general, my advice would be to get involved. Whether that means getting involved with contacting parents of the children who's doing the bullying, contacting the school, contacting a media platform if there's bullying occurring there. Getting involved is the most important thing we can do, not pushing it under the rug, not pretending that it's going to go away or or change, ask questions, set boundaries, and really get involved um, so that we can help and protect our kids as much as possible. This is really helpful. Thanks, Heather. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for listening.